The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! People have been yelling questions at us. I can't... James, what? But for, like, months, people have been asking me and you questions. Uh, yeah, I think it looks good on you. I, I mean, I do, too. I mean, it's, it's 100% velour. But that's beside the point. People have been asking... I did fight with Valor. Oh, God. What? Uh, James, James... You're going to have to speak up. I, all right. I can't hear you. We'll just have to uh, we'll just have to muddle through these questions because uh, we're finally getting to them. Oh god, he still can't I, hear me. Look, I, I think it's I think he's very attractive for a dog. He's a handsome I'm pup. A, I'm a very bad listener. We know, Paul. Okay. Welcome to the Third Men Podcasts. Yeah, welcome. Uh, my name's Paul Kaminsky. I'm your co-host. I'm your other co-host, James Kaminsky, and I'm here to um, to hold your hand and guide you like some kind of hearing eye dog <laughs> into the, the world of Jack White and Jack White-related things. And Paul, we've got a, oh, we've got a special one today. Oh, yes, we do. We've, this is our Jack White History Podcast, where we cover Jack White music and films and television appearances and tours and all that good stuff, and sometimes interview famous people and then follow it up with a vamp episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but James... James, we've got a very good one today, and it requires and it's it involves a lot of our listeners participating, a lot of audience participation, which we're always thrilled to do because everybody out there has been so wonderful and supportive of the show. James, it's all that participatory magic. Well, James, I think today we're going to be doing a listener's questions episode. <laughs> Ooh, does that mean the return of a Poliki? <laughs> Yeah, Pearly Casey here to give you airship listener questions. You straight. <laughs> I think he had a slight stroke there. Well, let's not do Polly Case in this episode. Let's give our fans a break <laughs> and give him a little Carl Butterball. Oh, Carl! I'm here to give all your turkey related questions. <laughs> Because you Carl, listeners I, out there have been asking nonstop. Uh, Carl, I, I have a listener question for you. Uh, I've heard that you like to flash fry your turkeys while they're still screaming. 
That's uh, right. To preserve something about preserving the flavor, which I find that claim to be somewhat dubious. Oh, the flash fried flavor of a fresh turkey. <laughs> and yes, yes, some may say it's steam escaping from the turkeys, but no, it yes. is in fact their gobbles and wobbles. And it invigorates the soul when you're cooking a fine bird. Oh, Carl. Well, goodbye. <laughs> Carl. All right. Th- th- now that Carl has gone, we can tell the listeners here. So we've put out the call to our the listeners of our podcast to say, hey, we want to hear from you. What are some listener questions about Jack White or Third Man Records or about this podcast? And, you know, we've compiled them here and we're going to go through and we're going to answer a few. And we're going to also, James, we're going to do a rapid fire round where we ask each other some questions back and forth. And, you know, we'll have a little fun doing that. And that should be a whole lot of really, really usable audio. It sounds like it's going to be a great episode, Paul. It sounds highly usable. But before we get to all of that... Uh, is there something we should stop doing? Uh, we got to stop breaking down. Stop breaking down. Stop breaking down. Stop breaking down. James, Stop Breaking Down is the portion of the show wherein our listeners also write in to tell us when we've got something wrong or inaccurate in one of our previous episodes and instead of doing a whole other show about that, hey, we just uh, we put it here in this segment called Stop a Breaking Down. Stop a Breaking Down. Yes, and we've got a couple here today, Paul. The first one comes to us from my wife, my wife, Ariel Kaminsky. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Uh, thank you. It's a fun joke. Very uh, nice. I don't know if you guys get it. It's a reference to... Oh, oh. Oh, behave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a fun reference to everyone's favorite hero, Bruno. Yeah, baby! Yeah. I, I had said that the Icarus craft was a, a triangular prism, and then I said, of course it only has three sides. A triangular prism doesn't have three sides, Paul. It actually has five sides. So, ah. in reality, you knew what I meant. I was talking about the isosceles triangle that was on the face, but... She is correct, mm-hmm. so my bad. Very geometry-related. Kelly Durga also points out on the subject of this very thing that, according to Kevin Carrico, the Icarus craft had to have three sides for the proper torque. That uh, isosceles triangle shape. Right, so yes. it had it had to have those three, and then there's the top and the bottom, so that is five sides total. But yeah, it had to have those three for the proper torque. So yeah, I have a little bit of a technicality there, James, but I'm glad your, your wife called you out on it. Yeah, we, we broke down, but we, we stopped. We stopped breaking down. It's a breaking down. And James. Yes. That's not all today. <gasps> oh, oh, I think Paul's a smelling something. Paul, is there something we should be smelling? What is the most astounding fact? The most astounding fact. The most astounding fact is the knowledge. When we find out a fact or some piece of information relating to a topic that we had already covered or a question that we had had, we get this information and we relay it out to you in this segment instead of doing an entirely new episode or re-downloading something into your guys' feed. James, I am very excited for this smell of fact. Callie Durga smelled this fact for us in our episode 40 
Jack White in Space episode. James, we were racking our brains trying to think of what song on Blunderbuss had anything to do with space. And I think we were both coming up real blank on that one. Mm-hmm. And Callie points out the song on Blunderbuss that Jack said was about the moon, sort of, has to be on and on and on. The sun and the moon never change. They just So that's, uh, yeah, that's the one. And I didn't even think of that. But the moon, as we pointed out in that episode, is an often an oft-returned-to image in, uh, in Jack's songwriting. Uh, songs like White Moon, things like that. Yeah, Paul, we were a couple of dinguses for not getting this one. I mean, e- even lines such as, The stones in the sky never worry. They don't have to hurry. They move in their own way. There's, there's plenty of astrological musings in this song yes. that I should have picked up on. Um, so thank you, Callie, for letting us uh, smell that particular fact. Indeed. Thanks a lot, Callie. But before we get to all that, James... <laughs> Is there another thing we have to do, Paul? A third thing? <laughs> Every single one's got a story to tell this week. Oh my gosh. It, we're having a fire sale. <laughs> James, every single one's got a story to tell is when we put out a call on our social media for you to participate and tell us some of your favorite things about a particular episode that we uh, that we submitted. For instance, favorite songs, favorite moments in Jack history, favorite shows, things like that. And so we collect those when you guys uh, send them to us and we put them in this here segment. Every single one's got a story to tell. So you get a chance to tell your side of the story. So this week, James, uh, we put out the call for favorite Jack White cover songs. Uh yeah and we got a lot of responses yes we did so that was episode 38 of the show where we did a uh, jack white cover songs five on the live covers uh which was very fun and we're gonna go through and do some of those things now james uh, i've got one here from melinda taylor taylor thank you thank you for calling me taylor her favorite Jack White cover song was uh, For the Love of Ivy and Small Faces. Uh, those are her two very favorite cover songs that the White Stripes had ever done. Another song they covered, Who's to Say, is one of her favorite songs that uh, they've ever done as well. So a lot of cool stuff there. As well as Rated X, she she also commented uh, about Rated X. Uh, and I think all of those are great choices. I think Rated X was sort of going to be one of mine, but I... I don't know. I was I was thinking like when I think of that song, I think of the studio version and our parameters for that episode was it had to be a live cut. But yeah, all of those are great songs. I think Who's to Say and Rated X would be my favorite of those two. Yes, and we got another vote from Kate McCoy, the Bones of the Operation. She voted for Small Faces as well, which Melinda Taylor had also had also mentioned. So two two votes for Small Faces there. And then we have from Leland Thingstag which I think we had given a shout-out on a prior episode, if I'm recalling correctly. I believe so, yeah. Uh, he, sa- he says Death Letter, which is great, um, and I think we would agree on that. There's a lot of great performances of Death Letter, and 
it's a, it's a wonderful cover. Yeah, and Eric Andrew Dodson. 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 We got Dodson here. See, nobody cares. Nice hat. <laughs> He, uh, he votes for Jolene, Death Letter, and uh, he says he has a sweet spot for going back to Memphis. All three of those, great songs. Oh. So that's two for Death Letter also. James, you mentioned going back to Memphis on our John Peel episode, episode uh, 41, where you mentioned that going back to Memphis on the Peel sessions was one of your favorites. So that would have been another good live cut we could have pulled from there. Yes. And then to round it out here, we have Stephen Winnow, or Winnett? I think it's Wino, where he says they did a cover of a gun club song, Jack on Fire. Also performed another gun club song, which was For the Love of Ivy, which is uh, which is at the Reading Festival in 2002, which is a which is a really nice cut as well, James. Yeah. So uh, so thank you guys for those wonderful recommendations and for for opening our eyes to some new covers that I hadn't even heard. So. So thank you guys, and keep sending them in, because we, we enjoy it a great deal. Yeah, when we put out those calls, we'd love to hear from you, and every single one had a story to tell, James. All right, James, let's hop into these listener questions, huh? <laughs> let's hop on in like a rabbit who likes to hop. So the first question we got is actually uh, from a friend of mine and, and listener of the show. Chris Moore actually writes into the show, and he, he wanted to know what connections there were with Jack White and the band Electric Six, Paul. And I don't know if you're familiar with the band Electric Six. I am not. Hit me, James. You've definitely heard something from them, Paul. The Electric Six is a band from Detroit, and Wikipedia says their style has been described as a brand of rock music infused with elements of garage, disco, punk rock, new wave, and metal. Oh. So they're a little all over the map, and they they kind of hit it big. You know, they were they were on the scene for, for many, many years, but they hit it big in 2003 with their album Fire, and specifically with the song... Danger High Voltage. Ah, I know that one. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can we play a little bit of that for the folks at home? Yes, please. Danger, danger. High voltage. When we touch. When we kiss. Danger, danger. High voltage. When we cut. When we kiss. When we touch. Danger, danger. High voltage. When we touch. I love this song. I remember when it came out, actually. I remember seeing the music video on uh, on MTV. I was in high school at this point, but and it confused me, but I loved it at the same time. It was a little like 
it's weirdly suggestive in certain ways and it's it, the music video specifically had some weird imagery and it's got a disco feel to it but also rock and it's interesting and it's kind of like a jokey song in, in the same way it's kind of like making fun of itself but the song happens to share vocals with jack white paul oh interesting it features backing vocals from jack and he's never actually officially credited on the track. Hmm. The band actually jokes in interviews that it was sung by an auto mechanic named John S. O'Leary. <laughs> uh, to quote to quote two of the, the, the members of Electric Six, uh, Surge and Disco, the reporter from antimusic.com asks them, what about the Jack White rumors? Who sings with Dick Valentine on this song? And Surge responds, no, no, it's a fan. We put a competition out, um, and he won? He's a mechanic. It wasn't Jack White. <laughs> and then Disco adds, yeah, he was probably the only person that entered. <laughs> it's it's funny, too, because these rumors really did swirl around, and I hadn't heard any of them until recently. But during the time, apparently, this was a, was a big mystery. And even the New York Times commented about it, saying, you know, Jack White is rumored to be playing on it. And they, they said, Danger High Voltage is catchier than anything on the radio by the White Stripes, the Strokes, or the Hives. Oh, wow. It's funny that those groups always get lumped together whenever they talk about that garage era. They always throw the hives and the strokes in there. Yeah. I just, I guess I don't really remember the hives really making that much of an impression. Like, I liked Walk Idiot Walk or whatever that one was. I like that one. But I just don't remember them really blowing up much. Now, the strokes, them on the other hand. Yeah. Hold on, I want, to, I want to just listen to Danger High Voltage. I love that he has, like, a stuffed lemur on his shoulder in this music video. <laughs> and it's and he never draws attention to it. No. And then there's, like, a random, like, S&M, like, school teacher and hanging out. It's, this is a weird video, James. I'm very, I'm very... The vocals of that school teacher in the music video are the Jack White vocals. So they she's miming the Jack White parts. Really? Yeah, listen to it. Oh my god. <laughs> Paul is is aghast. He is in shock. This is blowing my mind <laughs> and also it's making my brain very confused uh, hearing Jack's voice come out of this weird SM school teacher. Uh, I'm feeling a lot of different things right now. I'm feeling a lot of different series of emotions and i just now realize i'm talking like a little louder like people do when they have headphones in (laughs) james that was very disturbing thank you you're welcome and paul that's not the only thing electric six has to do with jack white whoa so electric six being in the detroit scene not only the detroit scene but they're in the right time frame that the white stripes and jack white are, are around so electric six actually happened to be at the Go's first show at the Gold Dollar, the first Gold Dollar show. Interesting. uh, Which I mentioned briefly in the uh, the Go episode that we go over. (laughs) (laughs) According to Bobby Harlow, uh, Zach Ships of Electric Six stopped in for a beer the night of the Go's first Gold Dollar show. He says he liked him. So there's that. And the the parallels don't, don't stop there. Oh, man. Steve Nawara is a well-traveled Detroit guitarist who played on Danger High Voltage uh, and plays with Electric Six. And uh, he also played in many bands, such as The Go. 
He played in bands Ooh. such as the Detroit Cobras. What? He played in such bands as Co in the Knockouts, Co Molina. Wow, interesting. And not only that, Paul, he played with Rocket 455, Jesus. and he played on the Jet Plastic recording release, Rocket ah! 455. So the Electric Six. Released by our good friend Jared Coral. And, uh, you know, I mean, we could play a little snippet of oh, that here, yeah. James, I think. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> There's a lot of inbreeding going on with this crowd. <laughs> uh, I, I do have to ask, though, James, did the go fire him? Too? <laughs> no, no, I don't believe so. But uh, he seems to be in and around a lot of the Jack White releases. In fact, he's he plays on the same Flying Bomb Christmas album that the White Stripes are on. Hmm. He played uh, for labels like Sympathy for the Record Industry and, and XL Recordings, and he gets around. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. And then one last weird, obscure thing that I found. <laughs> Please. Which is I a, love weird, obscure things. That's why we do this. <laughs> it's very tangential and technically not related, but the video game Rock Band released a DLC pack, which included the Tours. It included a bunch of Tours albums, and also included a bunch of Electric Six songs, including Danger High Voltage, Ah. as well as their Ah. other hit song, Gay Bar, which is a fantastic song as well, if you have never heard it. I have not. It's a song that me and my friends clear bars out with all the time. (laughs) Uh, We pop that right on the juke and let the people show themselves out. Yeah, just really ruins some nights. <laughs> Funny side story about doing that for my birthday gathering at the Golden Road Brewery. So at that place, I used the app where you could hijack the jukebox. Apparently, there was a wedding reception also happening there. And when I left the place, I could hear the the jukebox selections playing at, the, at this wedding reception. And I had commandeered this jukebox for maybe an hour and... Th- 35 minutes so all these people like this, at this pe- these people's weddings was mainly back off boogaloo and like really esoteric wings cuts and i definitely had like a lot of non-single album track jack stuff going on there was a lot i put these people through on their wedding day is what I'm getting at. Anyway. Well, as long as you left on bowl weevil. <laughs> I think I had I think I had like hippopotamus poor boy playing like four times in a row. Like I would just thought I was gonna be funny. I didn't realize it was gonna like Paul put on love interruption. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, James, that was all very interesting. Yep. Uh and so Paul, that is the connection between Jack White and Electric six. Let us consider this listener question answered. <laughs> Our next question comes from Jake McAlvain, who actually uh, interacts with us a lot on Twitter, and it's always great to hear from Jake. Thank you very much for um, for chiming in there. We love hearing from you. Anyway, Jake asks, "Have you guys read the unauthorized biography of Jack White that came out last October? Enter- any interesting stuff in it?" 
James, speaking for myself, I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but I have not read it all the way through. However, I often find interesting little tidbits that I will sometimes pull from for the show. Mm-hmm. Although, when I do that, I always feel a little bit weird about it because Jack came out very publicly sort of saying, hey, this thing has nothing to do with me. Don't yeah. buy it. You know, I think we go out of our way if we do to point it out. But for certain things like, for instance, the drumming episode we did mm-hmm. or the episode about flat duo jets, mm-hmm. I wound up pulling a lot from that just because there's very little other resources available online except for what this guy pulled together. And that's also kind of like the point of what why we're doing this podcast is because Jack's history isn't like the Beatles and it isn't like the Elvis or the Stones or something. It's not all that readily available everywhere, at, at least not the minutia. Mm-hmm. And so we're doing this podcast, I think, part of the reason anyway, is to get to know that stuff and learn that stuff ourselves so we're more knowledgeable in the history. But in order to do that, we do actually wind up having to pull from a lot of different sources to try and find this stuff. And oftentimes what I find is the sources we're pulling from are the same sources that this biography pulled from. Exactly. And uh, I'm I'm right there with you. I haven't bought it mostly because I feel like I should be helping Jack say like, no. But at the same time, I have read bits and pieces of it. And the, the parts that interest me are actually the parts that the author did not write. <laughs> I find that he tends to turn it into more of a story, which is fine. We do that sometimes, too. But yeah. the the parts that we pull from and that we, we look into and then we usually double-check to make sure that, that everything is on the up-and-up are quotes and interviews right. and articles that he's pulling from. Because that's what that's what the interesting parts are to me, is is these quotes and interviews and stuff. Because it's... It's pulling from all of these sources into one compilation, and then he throws in his own spin onto things. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. particularly like. It seems a little rushed, but I also like books like Fell in Love with a Band, which is very... You know, story driven, and it's it's the same deal. Like where it's interviews and stuff that the author conducted, but it's also writing a story of Jack White. And right, you know, you you kind of have to do that to fill in some of the blanks. Yes, there's a couple trusted books. One of the ones I use pretty regularly is The Sound of Mutant Blues by Everett True. And what that one often has is uh, it's mostly like extended interviews with the different bands like that were that were around at the same time during the Detroit sort of rock boom, that kind of thing, like the Detroit Cobras and things like that. And so really what that book mostly turns into is just long quotes, which is fine because that paints a more accurate picture. I think, James, like what you were just saying more than most. And, and you can hear sort of people's unfiltered Mm-hmm. opinions about Jack and stuff because you know he from as much as we love him you know his image tends to be very manufactured so it's interesting yeah. to hear what people outside of the people who are perpetrating his image have to say and this guy Nick Hasted who wrote the who wrote the book the the full title of the book is Citizen Jack how Jack White built an empire from the blues with Overlook Press which was released in 2016 you know he he does have a lot of quotes in there too but there's also a lot of editorializing going on mm-hmm yeah, and Jack White, you know, his whole thing is branding. His, you know, the white stripes right. had the the children motif. It had the red and white. It had all of these very purposeful decisions made to to make sure that you would recognize the band. And he continues to do that with all his other bands. The Raconteurs had 
very specific things. The Dead Weather had very specific things, and his solo career had very specific things. And he he does tend to manufacture his own reputation and his own history, not as a bad thing. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not at all. But just that's right what he's known to do. He's a PR guy at heart. You know, he he really knows how to upholster his look, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, so I think the bottom line on that one, on that particular book is, for me, I know it sounds sort of blasphemous, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay with it existing because there's not a lot of these books that are around. When we very, when the first time we started thinking about this podcast, I went to a bunch of libraries and bookstores looking for anything on Jack White, and it was a struggle. In fact, I don't think I found anything on the shelves Mm -hmm. about Jack White in any of those endeavors. I had to go to like eBay, Amazon, things like that. And even then, it was slim pickings. So, so am I happy people are writing about? him and that these things are on the shelves yes i am would i prefer jack to back them or to authorize something yeah i think i would love a documentary from third man or a coffee table book or something that would do that i think i think we're waiting for third man to release a product like that which he sort of started to do with the timeline last year during the acoustic recordings and the blue series book and the blue series book i mean there are things that are starting to come out and so i think we are going to get i what i would love is a proper documentary that jack can kind of curate sometime in the future we may be seeing it soon because the third man movies imprint is is growing they they're putting out more and more stuff so yes indeed and you can also see something that's pretty close to what we're describing here in it might get loud i mean that's a good authorized documentary for that kind of thing but yeah i think we're all waiting for jack to tell his story from start to finish or from start to current and uh, right now one just doesn't exist so books like this are kind of interesting for that but uh yeah worth worth noting third man records tweeted on june 3rd 2016 that neither jack white nor third man records has approved this biography and no one jack is personally acquainted with contributed and I guess that is not counting sort of the quotes and things that were pulled from other sources and interviews over the years. Right. So there's a there's a long answer for you. Uh, so yes and no. <laughs> Trust but verify. It, 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 you know, it's fun. So that'll bring us to our next question, Paul. Oh. Which is by at the dank human on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> at the dank human writes. When will the White Stripes come back together? Paul, I'll let you yes. answer that one. I'll take my answer off the air. Thanks. Well, <laughs> March. <laughs> well, well, James, look, I think like we just got done saying about the unauthorized biography, we are but humble fans. And really, as we say in the disclaimer at the start of every one of these episodes, really the only person that is authorized to give any history or news or anything like that of Jack White is Jack White himself. So I preface this response with that. Uh, I think it would be an educated guess on our part to say if the White Stripes were to get back together, it would likely not be anywhere in the near future. I think it's in all likelihood probably not going to happen. I think what you can expect is when the White Stripes are inevitably inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yeah. they get back together and do something. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I could see them getting back together for Conan, maybe. I mean, that's when they last they played their last show, maybe for something special like that. But I think at this point, Meg is out, 
And based on everything we've heard, she is enjoying being out and has no real interest in coming back in. And the last time she took a break and then started it up again, she wound up having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the White Stripes wound up breaking up after that. So I think you'll probably see them perform together again. I'd feel reasonably comfortable saying something like that, maybe on a third man anniversary or something special, or Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that kind of thing. But don't hold your breath for an album. <laughs> I don't think it's coming. I think you're getting the White Stripes basically when you're getting Jack's solo material, albeit him using the musicians around him and the way he used Meg, but in a more produced way and without a lot of the arbitrary restrictions. Yeah, I, I don't foresee them ever getting back together unless, like you said, they get back together for their, like you said, inevitable induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Although, even even if they induct the White Stripes, I can totally see Jack's solo band getting together and doing a performance of his White Stripes material for that as well, Mm -hmm. because they're no stranger to it, and that's what he's been doing. And so, short answer, probably never. Long answer, maybe sometime? (laughs) My short answer would be, I don't think you're going to get an album or a tour or anything like that, but I do think you'll see them play together again. I hope so. James, that brings us to our next question here from Rain Prosper via Facebook. And she says, I have no idea how you guys find out the things you do. Well, we talked a little bit about that, James. Mm. But if you ever come across the significance of early December for Jack White, I would love to know. It's been bugging me recently. Lately, I've been turning to you guys for all things Jack related. He mentions it in Air Near My Fingers and then again in Same Boy You've Always Known. Don't you remember? You told me in December that a boy is not a man until he makes a stand. Well, I'm not a genius, but maybe you'll remember this. I'll never say I ever wanted to be a man. have any clue as to why he gets swept away emotionally when singing you've got her in your pocket well that seems to be a separate question there i think uh, there's a lot to unpack and december james is uh, is funny because not only does jack talk about this but olivia jean so yeah uh, there's there is some december talk in jack white lore it seems there's definite reasons for him having some kind of negative connotation with December. One that probably isn't very related to anything is Jack White and Renee Zellweger broke up publicly in December of 2004, so that might add to his beef with December. Yeah, he got into the fight with Jason Stolsteimer in uh, December of 2003. He has a... Boy, he has a lot of bad Decembers. We don't really want to gossip a lot about that, but the, that happened in December. On December 13th of 2003 at the Magic Stick in uh, Detroit. Mm-hmm. But December could have also been a rough patch for Jack because his his father's death probably did linger uh, into December. He died in November 30th of 2006. I mean, there was probably some emotional resonance for that season. But to get off of all of these depressing things, Jack notoriously records in the dead of winter, whether it be December or January, and that might have something to do with these lyrics because he's surrounded by it while he's recording White Stripes material. 
because it's a challenging condition or so he calls it. The songs like Same Boy You've Always Known and things like that tend to be about breakups. And I think it's plausible to say, James, that uh, this is probably a breakup or some other traumatic event that could have happened in December. But it could also just be poetry. You know, he could just be plucking that out because it kind of sounds nice and rhymes with things. So Mm -hmm. it rhymes with remember, you know, like that kind of thing. I have a feeling that it's something like that. Yeah, I don't know if anybody out there, Callie, if you know why... December lingers in Jack White's uh, lore, uh, please tell us. Yes. And the same boy you've always known, he gets choked up while singing that because that song is of special meaning to him. He said, I think in interviews past, that that would be the one, that would be the song that the, he'd want played at his funeral, right, James? Right. Same boy you've always known. Yes. And uh, so I think that one just really has a lot of significance to him in terms of he and Meg's relationship and growing up and things like that. So I think that's what the significance is there. The song Same Boy You've Always Known was written before the White Stripes inception, and it was first played live with Two Star Tabernacle in March of 99. So we know this is from early in his life. Uh, He's been playing it pretty much throughout his career with different bands. He played it at the uh, Chateau de Fontainebleau with Lily and, and a lot of different things. When asked what he would have played at his memorial service, he says... There's one song I wrote called The Same Boy You've Always Known, though I don't really know if that song's really about me. It did feel at the time that at least that sentence was about me. I'm the same boy you've always known. It sort of encapsulates the idea as an artist of always trying to paint like a child paints. Always remove yourself from your environment and get back down to the reality of who you really might be inside and how some of us never really feel like we've grown up. A lot of us feel like we're these boys and girls trapped in adult bodies, so that might be a good one to play. So, James, I think that just about sums it up right there. I think so, too, Paul. And he includes it in a lot of different places. He, he put uh, Same Boy You've Always Known on the Walking with a Ghost EP, a live cut of it. Yes. He played it a whopping 24 times during the Blunderbuss tour. And he plays it live during the acoustic... Yeah, he played it live on, uh, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel for that, and he also played it during the Peel sessions. So that song holds uh, great significance for Jack, and we know a little bit more about that one than we do about the month of December, and there you go. There we go. Another question answered. Now we're going to do just a real quick lightning round, James. We're going to just do back and forth, and then we're going to get out of here. Yes, Paul, let's do this lightning round. Let's go. Dream collaborations with Jack White. Go. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Duran Duran. Uh, Paul McCartney, definitely. Paul McCartney would be my my 100% dream collaboration, I think, uh, seeing him him in there. Yeah. Mine would be Dave Grohl, because they're the two ends of the spectrum. They're like the two torchbearers for different ends of the rock and roll world right now. And they're about the same age, and they're about the same experience level, and I would love to see those two do something together. Yeah. In fact, when you said that, I had to think, like, did they get together? But no, there was a thing that Jack mentioned Dave Grohl, I think, in our in yeah. in one of his Rolling Stone headlining speeches. But yeah, that would be that would be awesome to see. With McCartney, I mean I got close with Mother Nature's son. I got as close as I could get with that. So that's fine. Yeah. Um you know, I another yeah, person I, I thought of was like Jenny Lewis. I'd love to see him collaborate with Jenny Lewis. And then I oh, remembered yeah. he did uh, with a blue series single. Sort of. Uh, eh, but that's not really like a full collaboration. I'd love to see him make some music with her. That'd be great. Yeah. Those are some good ones, James. All right, next one. Dream Vault. What do you want in a vault package? Oh, God. Uh, the Madison Square Garden show from 2015 
that we saw. Yeah, I want to see that with the Run the Jewels thing intact. I want to see a uh, with a digital download. I want to see the film. I want the <laughs> DVD. I want the LP. I want the yeah. Run the Jewels stuff still in there, which usually takes out the opening band stuff. So I want that too. Um, it would be great yeah. to see. I know it was recorded. I know that it was released on Pandora. They released it live. So I want that in a in a nice package. And that poster is so friggin' cool with the uh, yeah. Empire State Building that, that Rob Jones did. And I would love to see some kind of handbill or something that I could have because I didn't get a chance to get that poster. And Mike did. And we're both very upset at him for that. <laughs> How about this? We get a Run the Jewels Jack White collaboration. Ooh. No, yeah, that would be awesome. I would want that, yes, definitely, a thousand times. Yes. All right, James, mine would be, I want to find some of these lost albums we know are floating around. We know he's got a Stripes album lingering mm. somewhere. We know he's got, there was a Tours album that could have been in the mix where they were developing songs that Brendan wound up taking and putting on What Kind of World or songs like You Made a Fool Out of Me, things like that. I would love to see a vault release of basically a fabrication of a, of a record that we never got, a, a record lost to time. Mm. Yes, that would be pretty neat. Actually, that would be more than neat. That would be mind-blowing. And you know what? We're sort of getting that in a way with the demo tapes for Icky Thump. That's material from the White Stripes that we had never heard before, including songs that we had never heard before, like that monkey song. Oh, yeah, the monkey song. His tribute to Kong Skull Island, my favorite. Right. Oh, monkeys have it easy. Um, by the White Stripes, which is a song we had never heard before, and they released actually as a demo that you can hear. And James, we'd like to welcome our third woman for this week now. We'd like to welcome our third woman today. (laughs) For the second time in less than 40 episodes, my wife, Ariel. How's it going? Great. Thank you for not calling me miss, acknowledging that I'm your wife. We're off to a great start. We did it. (laughs) Welcome, Ariel. Welcome back. Thanks, Paul. You didn't wait another 40 episodes. No, well, you told me not to, and I thought we could do something fun. So this is exciting. I've just been filled in myself. I'm very excited about this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Ariel, you're going to kind of like take the reins here, huh? Yes. So what happens is I have kind of a different perspective in what you guys do with this podcast, mainly because I don't always listen to it and I get bits and pieces. And to me, it's just this weird fanatic thing that you guys have going (laughs) (laughs) which is great but this is going great so far i get i get bits and pieces of things and i don't know if it's accurate or not so i have some questions about a lot of things that i'm wondering if maybe you can shed some light on them We'd love to shine a light in this uh, skeleton-filled closet that we've prepared for ourselves. Yes, you've uh, made this closet all yourselves. First of all, none taken. Second of all, it's fine. We we understand, and this is a weird thing we do, but hey, it could be worse. We could be, like, killing people or doing smack or smacking people or doing people. We could be doing a lot of things that are worse than this. There's a lot of combinations of those words that would be worse than this. (laughs) 
regardless, this whole podcast and everything you're always talking about and and doing all revolves around Jack White. He just seems like such a strange person. He just does a lot of strange things, which I guess is cool. Is that like part of the interest you have in Jack White? Is it more musical or is it these weird things? Have you always known that he was this odd or is this a new development? I'm just... So am I to understand this is an intervention? (laughs) (laughs) I think the question is, what came first, the gimmick or the egg? Uh, The gimmick or the music, yeah, so... Thank you. Yeah, and which... Paraphrasing. Do we prefer, or do we prefer any, or do we prefer both? I think that's the question, Paul. Yes. And I would say the gimmick came kind of hand-in-hand with the White Stripes. We actually go over this a little bit in the episode, but... The White Stripes were built on a foundation of very specific criteria and imagery and symbolism to help brand the band, as well as to, you know, help sell the band to the public. So there was, you know, a childlike quality to it. There was the red, white, and black color scheme. There was the whole thing of him calling Meg his sister, adding to a mythology, and some could call it a gimmick, but, you know, adding to a mystery that would make people want to know more and want to engage more. And that mystery is partly why we started this podcast, because that mystery led us to say, like, well, who is this guy? Who is this weirdo? And so we wanted to delve a little more into it. So the gimmick pushed us into becoming bigger than music fans. But I would say the music is what put us in the fandom in the first place. So I would say the music came first. The gimmick expanded it a thousandfold. And to add to that, I would just say one feeds the other. So hearing the music for the first time, it was there was a lot of energy. It was kind of I like the rhythm and blues aspect, but there was this there was the gimmick attached to it, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of funny. And so it sustained me to want to listen further and seeing the imagery of the music videos and stuff. And I was like, whoa, there's something else going on here. I mean, people come into a show and come into listening to a record or going to a movie. People come in with preconceptions, you know, and you can't you can't uh, you can't avoid that. And, uh, you know, you lose an amount of what you could possibly share with that crowd uh, when their preconceptions are, uh, you know, they're being misled or something. I don't know. I, I want their, whatever preconception they have, I want it to change once they come and see us live. I want them to not care. I want them to, when they walk in, to say, oh, someone who might think it'd be dragged along, all oh, this band's nothing but gimmicks. Boy and a girl, and they're red, white, and black, and they have peppermints beating on the bass drum, and they, you know, all this jazz, and they're called the Waste Drives. What, whatever, you know, I, this, this band's all gimmicks, you know? And love them come in, and then after a few songs, not even not even realize like what's happening anymore. To to be consumed and to be exhausted uh, by what's happening, and their preconceptions just kind of drift away. And by the time they're walking around after the show, I, I would hope that uh, we've exhausted them and that their preconceptions have disappeared. One kept continuing to spur on the other. Like I would hear that, oh my god, he started this other rhythm and blues band with all his other friends, and okay, that's kind of weird. And songs like Store Bought Bones that got really, really weird. I'd be, I'd be so bemused by it. It would make me want to continue further. And Fats Kaplan put it well during our interview with him in episode forty-two, where he said, in Don Quixote-like fashion, he tries to create <laughs> Don Quixote. Sure, uh, he tries to create 
mystery in a world where it's impossible to create mystery. And to do that, he has to do these kind of oddball things. But if the music sucked, the gimmicks would fall flat. He's got the goods to back it up and the talent to cash the checks that his uh, mouth and eccentricities are uh, attempting to cash. (laughs) You both use the word gimmick a lot. Can you clarify for me what you mean by gimmick? Because when I think gimmick, I think tricky things. It's a hook. Yeah, and it's nothing of substance necessarily, but it can be. It's like uh, the the Beatles used to play har- put harmonica on every track, and so that was their first gimmick. Like they're a harmonica band, and the White Stripes use that color scheme and this notion that they're brother and sister, even though that's not true, as a gimmick of like this is our fake story, and it's to it's it's not true. I mean, it's really meaningless. It's more set dressing to add intrigue. Yeah, it's something that that's inconsequential to set you apart from everybody else. Basically, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's all about it's marketing. So a, it's just he's a, really good at marketing. A gimmick would be his triple decker record, where he included a forty-five single into a twelve-inch, and you would have to actually break the twelve-inch in order to get the forty-five single and hear those songs on there because they're unavailable anywhere else. So if you, it was kind of a it was a gimmick, and it was also kind of a screw you to collectors and completionist because he wanted to see who would be more interested in the music versus who would be more interested in collecting the music. So did either of you break it? We Neither of us have it because it's very expensive. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's very expensive. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we don't have that kind of money. But that's a good question. And, And this is not a knock in any way. Yeah, it's there's things he does that would really annoy me if I didn't love the music so much. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. It just one feeds the other. That makes sense to me. How many different albums and things are there? Because, I mean, you've, you're already over 40 episodes into this. <laughs> How much stuff can there be? And, I, I mean, I'm impressed that there's this much stuff. I don't know. It's all very confusing to me. There's like 13 studio albums total, give or take, depending on what you count. There's the Six White Stripes albums, the two Raconteurs albums, the three Dead Weather albums, and the two solo albums of his. And then there's like a lot of live albums, and The Vault gives you all kinds of rare stuff. And then there's a bunch of oddball singles out there, and then there's collaborations he's done. So it's not just as straightforward as he put out 13 albums, although that's quite a lot over his Yeah, that is career. a lot. It's almost an album a year, you know? Yeah, and when we were talking to Dominic Davis in episode 39, he had mentioned that Jack White actually records every concert he's ever performed, including, like, ones when they were kids. Like, because he's super interested in engineering and producing and all that stuff as well as making the music, even if we don't get to hear any more studio albums, there are thousands of unreleased live shows that he could put out that he has started to put out with the vault stuff. And um, some of them he'll put movies with, some of them he'll put these other things with. And it starts to build a bigger picture of what he's like on tour, and then there's things to talk about in regards to the tour. Now, in regards to topics and things that we have to discuss it's hard to run out he's got his tendrils into lots of different aspects tendrils jack has tendrils many tendrils he's got a he's a tendrily man oh okay Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's disgusting and he's a (laughs) sick man Um, 
He's got links into all different aspects of music. He was on the most popular Beyonce album of all time last year. He did stuff with the Insane Clown Posse. He did stuff with a tribe called Quest. Tom Jones, Beck, is a really good friend of his. And, and stuff can just expand almost exponentially because he, he's had such a huge impact on the music industry that it's hard to run out of things Jack White's done because... He's continuing to do stuff, and all of this stuff that he's doing has ripples into other things. You know, before 2000 and, I want to say, 11 or 12, we wouldn't have had Fats Kaplan or Daru Jones or anything like that to talk about, but then, now he's added them to his solo band, and then now we have them to add to our topic list and our interest, and then there's people that those guys work with that can spread out. and So it, it it's really hard to run out of things to talk about with these guys. There's so many different aspects to the fandom, and that's all it is. It's just another fandom. So, would you say since you started, since I know you both started this also to learn more about Jack White and his history, as you've been learning, would you say you've learned more and come up with more topics and more topics as you've been doing this? Because I know... Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we... I, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to tell you more than, like, 10 episodes when we started this like I was like well we'll obviously do the albums and then I think me and you Paul had said like we'll do guitars I guess and yeah. <laughs> there's the movies and that was like that, those were our basic ideas and then we started to have a little more fun with the topics and branch out into things that were a little more I, I don't want to say obscure but something that's not as talked about in the fan communities or is something that we had literally no notion or knowledge of before like a couple days beforehand like Callie Durga might mention a band that Jack White had played in that we were like he did he played in that and then we'd do research on it and then we'd find a whole episode's worth of stuff on that thing alone looking at our 160 page google doc <laughs> master file where i keep the majority of my show notes all the way at the top was the original stuff we were going to talk about in the show and that included Stripes, Racks, Weather, Solo Records, new releases with the vault openings every three months. We, have, we haven't even started talking about the vault stuff yet. Uh, Third Man Records recording acts, we've done that. Records Jack White contributed to or produced in a significant way, we've dabbled in that. Individuals connected with Jack, Brendan Benson, his brother, Third Man Records staff, question mark? Uh, we've done that. Um, records are groups that, that heavily inspired Jack White, like the Flat Duo Jets and Blind Willie McTell. We did Flat Duo Jets, and we did uh, Robert Johnson. Special guests, we do the, one of those every week. You're one of them. Instruments, venues, concert tours, record labels. Uh, one of the ones that we haven't really touched on is Jack Beefs. We were yeah. going to do a whole segment about the different feuds he's had, which we still may do. I would be interested in that. Those amuse me. <laughs> yeah. we, but we set out with a list of stuff, and we sort of said, okay, this is the kind of stuff we want to talk about, and, and went from there. I remember James being on the phone with you, Paul, and with a piece of paper at the kitchen table, and you were talking about what you might talk about, and he was writing notes on topics, and I'm like, how long are they going to keep this going? Like, <laughs> But it seems you just keep growing. We inspire each other, and James's editing was eye-opening to me, because I've never done anything like that before, and then... 
I thought I put together that first episode like to the best of my ability, and then I heard James's episode too, and I was like, oh, I gotta step up my game. <laughs> this guy's really good. James has brought up to me numerous times about Jack and his Catholicism. He probably brings yes. that up to me uh, because I'm Catholic and I love Catholicism. Is he Catholic? Was he raised Catholic? Or is it just kind of Catholic values and principles that are weaved in things? Is it how he was raised or does he identify as a Catholic person in terms of religion? I'm just curious. I have no idea. He talks about this often. He was raised Catholic. He was an altar boy at his church and his his parents were very involved in the diocese. He takes it very seriously. He and Colbert once had a Catholic off where they like went back and forth and challenged each other on Catholic trivia and dogma and stuff. You trying to out Catholic me right now? Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to out Catholic. You want to go head to head? Yes, go head to head. Let's do this. Throw down. Really? Throw down. Who's the patron saint of the impossible? Patron saint St. Jude. St. Rita. Oh, Jude is hopeless causes. Isn't that impossible also? It's in the impossible realm, but in the yeah. possible realm. All right. Who's the patron saint of um, clowns? Who's the patron saint of clowns? Clowns. Oh, uh, maybe Saint Joseph. Saint Genesius. Really? I don't yes. think that's a real saint. It's a. And Jack was holding his own, like, and he was getting really competitive about it, and so was Colbert. So I have a feeling. If you're familiar at all with Stephen Colbert's Catholicism, I think it's a similar sort of thing. He was raised in it. He was immersed in it. I think he very much believes in God, believes in the teachings of the Catholic Church. I feel like sometimes he looks at the dogma with a wink and a smirk, like a lot of people do, but... I think his heart's in it, for sure. He sings about God a lot. Yeah, and Gorman Gillis was employed by the Archdiocese of Detroit for 38 years before his death. Teresa Gillis worked as the Cardinal Secretary for the Archdiocese. And while he grew up heavily involved in the church, his soon-to-be wife, Meg White, grew up without any religion at all. So they made quite a pair. Jack said of religion, I grew up with religion in the air. And he liked the idea of you can't create. God creates. It humbles you. It frees you up. Musical abilities are less a gift I was given and more of an opportunity. So that kind of, I think, sums it up pretty well. And as for his current believings, he doesn't really talk too much about it, but he does say that he believes aspects of the church, and he likes to believe in divine inspiration sometimes. In other instances, he'll say the opposite, but he has said uh, in regards to the Hank Williams song that he recorded that he believed in Hank Williams' spirit was there and that somehow uh, these lyrics were directed Mm -hmm. to him. So, you know, he believes sometimes in divine inspiration, but as to what he believes, I'd say he's more of a pragmatic person (laughs) and someone who doesn't really go to church every week. Ask him. I mean, we could. We could send him an email. (laughs) Eventually we will. But we do know it's important to him and he, he grew up with it. I'm just so curious. Even that quote was weird, like... I don't create God creates. I would think that he does create. He creates a lot of the music and that would be a a talent given to us from God. We create like our father creates. But anyway, that is a whole nother thought. Well, I think that means more of like he's a vessel for the creation that is God. And so whatever he's producing is something that he's channeling from some higher place. I think that's that's that would be how I interpret it anyway. I don't know. We have a special surprise, uh, so I I Yes, I do have a special surprise. I thought it would be fun if I could quiz you based on some internet knowledge. 
of Jack White since I don't have any of my own. Are we going to do a lightning random online quiz? Yes, we are. Cue the game show music, Paul. And I'll be your host asking you all these questions that I don't know the answer to. I can't wait. Let's do it. I can't wait to for us to embarrass ourselves. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Between the two of us, if we can't get these questions right, I don't know right. what, what else there to do. No, with no help of Google, let's do this. No Googling help. Bing it is. I can Google it. Okay. <laughs> Question one has to do with the works for which Jack White has won Grammy Awards. So I'm going to name the year and award, and you're going to tell me the album or the song. So 2010, best boxed or special limited edition package. Ah, Paramount box set, volume one. Is that the same as Under Great White Northern Lights limited edition oh, box set? No, I done screwed it up. Paul, I done screwed it up. Paul, I, I done... I, oh, man. I was so confident. Okay, I'll, I'll skip back and we'll go forward in time. How's that? Sure. 2003, Best Alternative Music Album. That's uh, Elephant. Yes. Uh, the White Stripes. And if we were taking points, Paul is winning. <laughs> we're not. Thanks. 2003, Best Rock Song. Uh, Seven Nation Army. Yes. 2004, Best Country Album. Oh, that would be Loretta Lynn, uh, Loretta Lynn's album, Van Leer Rose, which Jack produced and uh, sang and played on. Very good. I don't know these things. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you guys can answer these questions. 2004, Best Country Collaboration with Vocals. Um, that would be Portland, Oregon on Van Leer Rose. I don't know if it's on Van Leer Rose, but it is Portland, Oregon. It is on Van Leer Rose. <laughs> I believe you. If that ain't the answer, then tell me what is. <laughs> 2005 Best Alternative Music Album. Oh, that'd be Get Behind Me, Satan. All right. By the White Stripes. Very good. Next, we're into 2007. There was a Best Alternative Music Album. That would be Icky Thump. There was also Best Rock Performance by a duo or group with vocals. Also Icky Thumb. Very good. <laughs> the song. And in 2008, Best Engineered Album, Non-Classical. Consolers of the Lonely. Yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Well, you guys are doing well. You're doing well. well. We're just naming the albums in order. Uh, so yeah. the years. You, see, I shouldn't have given you years, but no, then the that years, wouldn't have worked. No, the years help. Give me a second to queue up another one. That was it. That was it for the Grammys. You did well. Okay. You all only right. missed one. One missed wrong. One That's it all right. Was my fault. It was the first one. You were, well, I didn't you were warming up. <laughs> With the coldest album. Can you name all the bands Jack White has been in? All right, Paul. We'll, we'll, we'll step ladder this one. White Stripes. Raconteurs. Dead Weather. I guess you could count the buzzards and the peacocks, but probably not. Uh, solo stuff, I would just say. Uh, and then. It's not be on this list. <laughs> beyond that. 
beyond that, you have Goober and the Peas. Yep. yep. Yeah, that's on here. You have the Goat. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, Two-Star Tabernacle. Neither of those are on here. I guess he wasn't with the henchman. He just guessed it on on a henchman album. Uh, Two-Star Tabernacle he was with. The Bricks. See, I told you you would have more than is on this quiz. But you're still missing one of the ones that's on here. It starts with a U. Oh, the upholsterers. Um, uh, yeah, we forgot about the upholsterers, yeah. Yeah, we have to give in our, our Jack White credibility. Because that's him and Brian Muldoon. Well, you got all but one. So we missed two, uh, but that was pretty good. Uh, I think we we did pretty we held up pretty good against some random online quizzing <laughs> strangers. Quizzes. Sporkle, yeah, uh, Sporkle. Think, thank I, you, Sporkle people. Yes, I think we should be very very embarrassed. And Ariel, thank you so much for joining us on the show. You were wonderful. This was great, honey. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And uh, and thanks for being our guest this week. Um, You're welcome. And uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's get back to the show. Let's get back to it, James. James, that was very interesting, and I think that's going to bring us to the end of our listener questions episode. Right to the bottom of the charts. Oh, God. Right to the bottom of the charts with Polly Kasem. <laughs> we listened, and we listened well. I hope we answered you guys to the best of our ability, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And speaking of you people out there, we've got uh, some shout-outs we want to give. Some new people who've been talking about the show, interacting with us on social media. We've got Joshua Hishar. Hishar. Joshua Hishar. Thanks, Josh. What? We've got Nekosan Carr on Twitter. Mm. We've got James Blonde. Do, 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 We've got... Do, do, do. I get it. I think it's a pun. We've got Tom Stevenson. Thanks. We've got Donna Romero. We've got Wope Morales. <laughs> yeah. We've got Pavel Yanez. Yes. And we've got Clay Bombay. Hey, thank you, Clay Bombay. Couldn't have done it without you. I mean, we cut up that. And then we've got our, yeah. And then we've got our regular listeners, James. We've got Kate McCoy, the Bones of the Operation, Andre Icecoal, Cole, Lyman. We've got Eileen Corsano. We see who you we over see. there. We have, yeah, we've got David Poe. 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 Poe, 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 We've got S.A. Franco. We have no idea. We have got Jeremy Riles keeping us on those rails. We've got Callie Durga, third woman in spirit every week. We've got Adrian King, the punk rock queen. We've got Amy Hart, the heart of the operation. My oh me, we've got me oh my, and ha ha, lol 2.0. <laughs> and Paul, if you want to be one of those listeners that we shout out, you could do it many ways. You can go on our Facebook and Facebook us at facebook.com slash thirdmen. You could tweet at us on Twitter at thirdmencast and use the hashtag Third Men Cast. You could tumble with us. Tumble on down. Thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You could go right to the source where we post our show and show notes with WordPress. Thethirdmen.wordpress.com. You could email us, Paul. You could email us, Paul. You could send this email right 
to our email address, which is thirdmanpodcast at gmail.com. You could find us on Spreaker, where we also host our show, which is the iHeartRadio subsidiary, and that is S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com. You can search the Third Men podcast on there. You could search us on YouTube. I occasionally do some visualizers and some skits and some funny junk. And you could rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, which helps us. It lets people find our show so that they can ask us questions so that we can answer them in episodes like these. Indeed, James. And uh, if you want to send in your own listener question, we'd be happy to read it off on a future episode. We really do love sharing the love with the fans of the show out there. We'd also like to thank Sam Kubert and Tom Valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song, We're the Third Men, and also to Susanna Roundtree for the intros and outros of our program. And James, until next week, I will be listening for a new home. I will be answering the call for a new home. Okay, we'll we'll see you next week. (laughs) See you next week. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. Now the letter is Q, and one word that begins with Q is question. James, this is going to be our most slapped together effort yet. I'm a little bit inebriated already, Paul. James is already drunk. I'm leaving. No, 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 it's fine. You want to join us? We need you. <laughs> if, we, if we need you. We may need you. Why? Uh, well, there's a lot wrong with me. My name is James Kaminsky. I'm your other co-host. <laughs> Sorry. Got a little thing in my throat there. I think that was a reference to something. I just it don't wasn't. know what it is. It wasn't. Okay. All right. Is nothing... To sneeze at, I guess. <laughs> What's all over the place. <laughs> the first up, stop a break of The first one comes from from my wife Ariel, my wife. Uh, gosh, yeah. let's get through now this. We got one. it. <laughs> yes. Can you so, feel me, uh, Paul? I'm right there with you. I'm I'm feeling the vibe that you're giving off. Uh, that's not the right ending to that one for me. <laughs> oh, God, Paul. All right, James. It's a hot box. All right, James. Let- yeah, me too. Let's bust into these. Let's bust. Let's bust it. Gross. Uh, let's, uh, makes let's feel let's good. Bu- <laughs> yeah, I get it. Atomic Blonde's going to be great. Thanks, YouTube.